Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the next episode of the Boozy Muses podcast. It's September, which means it's time to get spooky. Tonight we are talking about museum hauntings. Grab whatever pumpkin spice thing you have, your blankie, and settle in for an enjoyable evening. Joining me tonight is our specter specialist, Sarah Hickson. And I quote, I'm a believer, but I'm not like, ooh, spoon rattles, Morgan Smith. As always, I'm, yep, I don't buy it, Sarah Goebel. For each ghost story, we are going to listen, then rate it on a scale of how many glasses of wine we would need to drink before we would believe the story. Of course, we have trigger warnings before we get going tonight. We have suicide, hanging, death, rape, and murder coming up. Apologize if those are triggering to you. Okay, are we ready to do this? Morgan literally just grabbed her blankie. Thank you for following. I did. I'm, I'm getting cozy. I am ready to go. Thank you for using my direct quote um, of spoons rattling. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to kick things off at the Castle Museum in Saginaw, Michigan. It's French Renaissance Revival Castle that was built to be a post office in 1898. And it served as the area's first post office. It was scheduled for demolition twice, but since 1979, it's been the area's museum. And they have a haunting there known as the Ghostly Gray Lady. And what I like about the Ghostly Gray Lady is that she appears in the basement and the archive room. So she's primarily like seen by staff members. So employees report like a foggy apparition of a woman and she can, according to them, appear anywhere in the museum, but the archives room is really her jazz. So witnesses have, of course, seen her appear. They've seen lights turning off by themselves. And they've also heard the disembodied sounds of a woman's voice. I went through and got on Yelp. And I'm going to word for word read some uh, Yelp reviews of this museum. Um, And I will note that the Castle Museum does not talk about ghosts on their webpage. So they are not like a ghost museum haunting place okay but anyway one review said my wife and i visited the castle museum today 3 12 19 we were on our way to the lookout portals and the tower when we both simultaneously became nauseous the feeling was so strong that we were unable to continue to the portals i initially thought that it was due to the colors and lighting the nausea cleared up as soon as we left the area Next review, we were walking in the archives room and a lady's voice said hello twice and it freaked us out. We almost cried and left with at first thought it was animated. Next review, my mom used to work at the Castle Museum in the late 1980s. She had really creepy experiences when she was alone at night and had to go to the basement for things. She told me she had seen shadow figures and the lights went out on her twice. After that, she never went to the basement alone. She also did not stay there long after. Initial thoughts on the ghostly gray lady of the Castle Museum. They almost cried. Aw. Poor babies. Yeah. 
So precious. I like the couple who both got nauseous at the same time. It's like, what did you eat before you came? Like, did you try a new restaurant? Did you ever think that maybe like your soup or something that day didn't sit well with you? Like, why automatically does it have to be this place is haunted? It had Michigan Mexican food. (laughs) (laughs) And also like... I mean, you say that the museum doesn't advertise themselves as, like, a spooky place. They do not. But obviously, it seems to be, like, known that this place is, like, quote-unquote haunted. So I always feel like people go in expecting things to happen. So, like, none of these stories are really compelling me right now. Here are my initial thoughts. The museum's not actually haunted, and the ghostly gray lady is actually a real, alive researcher just trying to deal with historic county records, and she's completely alive but just desperate for human contact and a Big Mac. It's just a poor archivist, and she's like, stop calling me pasty. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no windows down here. It's better for the paper. (laughs) You try working in the basement. You wouldn't be tan either. The second thing that I really like about this, and this is actually the reason that I picked it, is oftentimes, especially when it's like a haunted museum, especially a historic house like where I work, people are always like digging in, trying to figure out like, oh, who it is. Like, let's make a historical connection to legitimize it. And that has absolutely not happened in this case at all. Like, there's no super long backstory. There's no like, oh, she was this lady from when the, you know, castle was built and then you know she died in order to save it from demolition no it's just like a random gray lady who likes the basement in the archive room and that's just her thing so i do enjoy the vagueness of the ghostly gray lady it's very very much appreciated yeah i will say the vagueness of the ghost you ghostly gray lady almost makes me want to believe it more because I feel like when people come up with these elaborate backstories they're trying too hard and at least in this case you're just like yeah we don't know anything about it It, she just like shows up and that's what we deal with so I'm intrigued by the vagueness I feel like you're not always gonna know who it is I know if it's paranormal if it's under like ununderstandable you know, you're like, don't, you don't always have to connect it back to history. But again, I'm super skeptical. So do I actually believe in the gray lady? No, I don't. Any final thoughts about the gray lady? And then let's vote in glasses of wine. I mean, you know me, I have the background of going on ghost hunts and having specialist. I am, I am. <laughs> so like understanding that this, this gray lady isn't really somebody that people know about it makes sense because like if she's been there since the beginning like victorian era who the hell was keeping records on their random volunteers who were helping with stuff in a post office right nobody and so it could just be that she's someone who just really liked the building she just really liked the work that she was doing and she somehow attached to it doesn't seem malicious so that's great she says hello that's so sweet so nice yeah so like she's good and she's just chilling she's living her whole life making sure that no one messes with her shit that she worked most of her life probably to organize so you know she's just keeping an eye on it she's she's good so i would say my scale 
like really at like two glasses of wine, I'm feeling good. Like four glasses of wine, I'm absolutely done in. I'd say the gray lady for me is about a five. Like with the vagueness, I find it intriguing. If I drink half the bottle myself, I'd be like, hmm, great lady says, hello, archives basement. Someone could die in there and the staff would never even know. So I'm going to give her like a five, which is me very drunk, but still able to walk myself to my bed at night. I feel like I'm going to have to concur. Um, Oh my God, I'm trying, I drink canned wine a lot. So I'm trying to like compute in my brain, like glass mm-hmm. sizes, but I think one Rate can, I think one can is two glasses of wine. I'm thinking this is like a can and a half or like a two canner for me, which by the way, two cans of wine is like a whole bottle of wine. You're really getting your money's worth with canned wine. I digress. <laughs> but like, I, I'm going to need to be like, I'm going to need to be put to bed after like to get me to believe this just because there's no like the vagueness helps because the vagueness lends it some credibility in my opinion but there's nothing about this place that leads me to be like like, why why is it haunted why is there just like this one ghost supposedly here like I don't it just, there's nothing that really strikes me as like, oh yeah, that's a place that would have ghosts. Like it's a post office. That's a museum now. Like I don't, I just don't see it. Okay. Thoughts, Hitson? I mean, I'm to the point where it's like, give me a shot and let's go meet her. That's who, that's where I'm at. Um <laughs> I don't need a glass of wine. I mean, if we're going to have dinner first, yeah, like give me a glass of wine and then we'll go, we'll go investigate. But I mean, if people, if more than, I would say like, if there are Yelp reviews of random visitors that have been like, we didn't feel super great in this one spot. And my understanding of like how ghosts work is by like electrical, they, they will try to pull on like different energy sources to attempt like manifest themselves. That's how like I've been taught. You guys are gonna become crazy. I mean, if you like, if you don't feel good in a place, that like those are like your your spidey senses are kicking in. I mean, if your whole body runs on electrical current, right? Like your neurons and all of that good stuff. So it makes it makes sense. Also, like why lights would flicker and why phones and cameras go dead when things are supposedly haunted it would explain why in like one specific place why like that couple didn't feel super great. And it wasn't just one of them, but it's like at the same time. And then they left and they instantly felt better. That to me would be like, there's something about this space, but well, again, I'm at a shot. Let's go meet her. <laughs> why don't you, why don't you give us your personal story? So I'm from central Pennsylvania, if you did not know that. And so when I was 13, my dad and his friends taught a ghost hunting 101 class. And at the end of the session, we went on a quote unquote ghost hunt to a local historic house. It's called the Packwood House Museum. It's in Lewisburg, PA. The house itself um, is supposedly one of the oldest log, like log cabin based homes in the entire state it was built in 1796 to 99 somewhere in there it's originally 
made us to be um, like an inn and a tavern. And then in like the mid 19th century, because of the river being like literally right next to, to the structure, there's a lot of traffic with like trade and things up and down the Susquehanna. And then unfortunately with the railroad, things kind of changed. And so the house wasn't being used as like a hotel or an inn anymore. In 1936, Edith and John Featherston moved into the home and instead of filling it with kids, they filled it with their stuff from international travels, which is gold, to be honest. I love it. Upon their death, it was in their will for their house then to be turned into a museum for the public. This was in 1976. I went again when I was 13. They had like the the rooms, they're just filled with random stuff from different countries. Some are set up as bedrooms. Some are set up as like parlors. The one room that I was in was set up as a bedroom and it had opposing mirrors in it, which is a big no-no. You have infinite reflections, And so it could create a portal to another world or to like another dimension or what have you. It would be almost like an open invitation for anything, say, that would be a ghost to then enter the space. I was in a room with an older woman and she starts feeling extremely lightheaded. And she told me, quote, to get the hell away from her because I was apparently attracting something into the room. So that was a fun experience in the house. But to get into the museum, Morgan, your face is priceless. <laughs> but to to get into the house itself, you have um, you have to go in through like a separate building that they call the curator's office. It's also like where you would pay admission. They also have the gift shop there because it's like a one person show. Basement of that building, again, because this was an inn in a hotel, there's supposedly the spirit of a man who raped and murdered young girls, like roughly 12 to 13 years old. And in the basement of this building, he supposedly like hung himself. So he's not necessarily like a demonic presence in the basement. He's just an asshole. And when we went, I didn't want to go downstairs because I was like, being a 13-year-old girl, I don't know what he'll do. Even like, even if you wouldn't believe in it, be like, that's not a good idea. Like, we're just, we're not going to do that. But my being even upstairs, my camera died. It was fully charged. Camera died. I had my charger with me, plugged it into the wall it would not charge. And then we went to plug it in, in the house somewhere else and it charged fine. Okay. I have thoughts about multiple things. Like sometimes, sometimes outlets just don't work. Like maybe you tried a bad outlet. (laughs) Like that happens. I I specifically know which outlets don't work. Oh, yeah. I've worked in a museum before that, like, specifically had outlets that didn't even have any electrical components. It was literally just, like, the face of an outlet on the outside because they had to rush a couple of things when the building was being built. So, like, maybe the outlet just didn't work. But, like, also, that lady who, what, like, got lightheaded, like, first off, you're old. Old people get lightheaded. And, like, old cranky people also, like, like to blame young women that have their life ahead of them for their problems. So, of course, she was like, oh, my stomach hurts. It must be the beautiful 13-year-old with her life ahead of her's fault. Like, come on. So, I don't know. I'm just, like, skeptical and bitter. (laughs) 
I'm going to say, I feel like if anyone was going to come back and or come stay, whatever the situation is of selecting to be still in this plane of existence before moving on either way, I wouldn't even venture to know how that works. But he seems like enough enough of a part of my French, like an ass hat, that he would make that choice. I'm going to give it, yeah, again, five glasses of wine. Like, because I know and trust Sarah, and I know that she's, like, a pretty rational person, if it was anyone else, I'd be, like, seven glasses of wine. Like, people are just feeling things because there was a rapist and a murderer in this house. But because it's Sarah, and I know that she's not, like, she doesn't have flights of fancy, I'm going to give it five. Like, if I was at a bar with Sarah, and I was four and a half glasses in, and she started telling me the story, I would be enthralled. I feel like I was very mean to old women, and I've had a moment to reflect. (laughs) And I want to say that not all old women are bitter and jealous of young people, just some of them. And I think that lady was one of them. So that's my PSA to any old women who listen to this podcast. Um, I'm going to call this a one canner. So like two, like two glasses of wine, because there is more happening in this house Um, there's more story like I feel like if you like on a dark stormy night you gave me a can of wine and then you're like listen to this story about this house I would have been like oh my god (laughs) I can't there's there's a rapist ghost in that house like I feel like I could probably believe it well, and it makes sense that she, like, had the experience around the age that this man, like, targeted his victims. Yeah. Also, I feel like I should clarify that after one can, two glasses of wine, like, I'm feeling pretty nice. Like, I'm not, like, drunk drunk, but I'd probably get dizzy if I stood up too fast. So, yeah. Okay. Are you ready, Morgan? I am ready. Sarah, you're just like having the time of your life right now. I've had a lot of wine. A lot of wine. (laughs) So I went in a slightly different direction. We're still talking about spooky things and haunted museums. Um, But I'm taking a little bit of a different approach because I'm going to talk about Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum. Oh, Lord. I, yes, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, but I'm gonna like, I'm gonna try to keep it brief. Um, So I didn't really know who Zach Baggins was, (laughs) because I'm, like I said, not a spoons rattle person. So I'd never really heard of him before. Um, So for people like me who don't know who Zach Baggins is, which I hope I'm saying his last name right. um, He is a Basically, he's a paranormal investigator and, like, TV personality. Yeah, air quotes is really appropriate, I think, for this person. Um, He's the creator and star of the show Ghost Adventures, where he... Yeah, so I've never watched Ghost Adventures. It sounds 
interesting, but it's basically like him and a group of people going around investigating quote unquote, supposedly quote unquote haunted places. Um, He's such a dumbass. I can't, I'm going to save it. I'm sorry. <laughs> or else I'm just going to go. On no, you're fine. I mean, like I have a lot of, I watched um, and like doing my research for this, I watched like an entertainment television or whatever, like interview of him um, like showing someone around like parts of the museum. And I could not stand to listen to him talk like every, I could not watch his show because I'm just like everything you're saying is just like he speaks with just this air of I it's just he thinks highly of himself I feel and I feel like I can hear that um when he talks and I don't like that anyways um so in addition to having ghost adventures um in 2016 he had kind of like a short-lived show called deadly possessions which was basically him hunting for the items that he was going to use in the museum he was planning to open in Las Vegas. Um, And I put like a quote from one of the episode descriptions, because I think this gives you a good idea of the types of shows that he has and also the museum he is building. So the episode four description reads, Zach examines a mirror with a connection to a grisly unsolved murder. Then he investigates a TV infused with the dark energy of the infamous Charles Manson. Will his grandson's baptism lift the Manson family curse? Charles Man- Manson is not dead, except for recently, right? For the longest, okay, so he died in 2017. For oh. the longest time, people would like share that he died, but then he wasn't actually dead. Um, so he died in 2017. Yeah, I don't know how it would have been infused with his dark energy. And also, I love the like little. I love how this almost turns into like a family drama because like this very obviously shows you that like his grand the grandson of Charles Manson gets baptized in this episode, and I just find that so funny i i don't know why but i find it so funny does he ever not take the items does he ever look at the items and go nah this ain't haunted so we're gonna we're gonna talk about his items um that he has uh because i have thoughts and comments and concerns so yeah so he has the show and in 2017, October of 2017 is when the museum opens. It's in Las Vegas and it's literally just called Zach Baggins's Haunted Museum. It's in this, I mean, absolutely gorgeous, historic, Tudor-esque building. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a beautiful home. The building was built in 1938 and the original occupants were a prominent Las Vegas family named the Wingerts. The building that it's in is known as the Wingert Mansion or the Wingert House. What and a, it's actually, oh, sorry, what? What a waste. I know it's, it's like, it's listed on Las Vegas's historic property register. I don't think that it's nationally accredited or anything like that. And the weird thing is like, I love adaptive reuse of historic buildings. I hate that this building was repurposed for this. It won an award from the city for like best adaptive reuse of like a historic 
resource, which is like, it's great, but it's also like, I feel some type of way about this museum. I'm getting ahead of myself. So this house, it was built in 1938. Baggins claims, and it's like on the website that this house is haunted. Like there's all these claims about how like the family was into the occult and they held all these like spooky satanic rituals in the basement in the seventies. And the Wingart family have like denied all of these claims and I really couldn't find any mention of the house being haunted unless it was around Baggins's claims and people who had like visited the museum regurgitating like facts that they heard at the tour so a little bit more about the museum so a general admission ticket to the museum is 48 dollars that's not a museum it's $48. I, I, okay, so I will say Las Vegas attractions, even like the really nice, good museums, like the Mob Museum, it's still, I don't think it's quite this expensive, but attractions in Las Vegas are expensive just because it's a touristy place. Mm-hmm. So, but $48 is kind of on the high end. Um, and since Las Vegas is so touristy, a lot of places offer like local discounts. So if you're like a Nevada resident, you get a discount and stuff like that. Their discount is only $42. So like you get $6 off basically. Um, they also offer an all access ticket that gets you like some extra like merch and access to like off limits areas it doesn't exactly explain what those areas are and that is 79 dollars a ticket um a little bit more no one under 16 is allowed and all of the guests that come in are required to sign a waiver um the website says um quote this is because the building is known to contain ghosts and spirits and cursed objects management wants to ensure every visitor is aware of potential risks that could be caused by unseen forces i think rolling my eyes so much (laughs) i honestly think that this is a gimmick i think that it's straight up it's it's like a standard liability release waiver that they've added in oh by the way this place is haunted so they build up like this kind of mystique like oh it's so haunted you might get cursed you have to sign a waiver it's like no you have to sign a waiver because it's really dark and people trip a lot like that's it's yeah so some of the collection highlights I suppose you could call them I would like to call them the lowlights um are Ed Gein's cauldron So supposedly a cauldron or a really big pot, I don't know. You're not allowed to take pictures when you're inside. So the only images that you're able to see of the museum are images that the museum themselves allows to be released. So I didn't really get a good image of this, but supposedly Ed Gein's cauldron, Dr. Kevorkian's VW van, where he murdered some of his victims, It has a celebrity death room that has a lot of different objects in it, um, among them supposedly the chair that Michael Jackson died in. And then they also have the Devil's Rocking Chair, which is from one of Ed and Lorraine Warren's exorcisms. It's the exorcism of David Glatzel, which I think is the inspiration for like The Conjuring 3 or something like that. Fun fact about that one, uh, in that exorcism, supposedly the demon 
left David and entered another man's body. And that man went on to kill his landlord. And he used the demonic possession as his defense. So it became the first murder trial that had like a devil made me do it type of excuse. I think that is the latest, the latest Conjuring movie. I haven't seen any of the Conjuring movies, but from what I like was researching, that's what I came up with. And I have heard of the case before of the person using like the demonic possession, but I didn't know that it was tied to like Ed and Lorraine Warren and this particular object. So about these objects, I was not able to find any information about how Baggins locates and authenticates these things. Some of them, he basically kind of explains like, everybody knows that I'm looking for these things and like, I seek them out or like they kind of find me. Like how he authenticated the devil's rocking chair was like this, it was basically a notarized letter by like one of the family members being like, yeah, this is the chair. Here are the things that happen, which is like, those are definitely people that have something to gain from- my check now. Yeah, like from from lying to corroborate this story. So there's a lot of shadiness, I feel like, around the objects that he collects. Um, And because nobody's allowed to take pictures or anything like that, it's really hard to find information that doesn't come specifically from Zach Baggins or specifically from the museum. I found this website called theskepticalinquirer.org, which, yes, I'm going to address that it does not sound like the creme de la creme of good sources. But... This one person, Kenny Biddle, he's written a lot of articles that I feel I can trust his judgment because like he literally like shows screenshots of his research and everything. Like he researches in a way that I would research to try to find these out. And he's like a heavy skeptic of Zach Baggins um, and is basically like trying to uh, not really debunk, but he's he's trying to be like, is there any basis for these facts? Like he's trying to authenticate. And he has this article about one of the museum's key pieces. It's this mirror, which is, I think the mirror mentioned in like that episode four blurb that I read to you guys that was owned by a man named Bella Lugosi. And Kenny contacted the family of Lugosi to try to like establish ownership. And the family was basically like, we have no record of this in any of our family history. We definitely feel like the museum is just making up a a story. So there's been people connected to these supposed objects who are like, this isn't real. It's the same type of thing with people being like, no, the house isn't haunted. So many of the things that Baggins claims to have are likely fakes, but a lot of the things that he has that could be real are like huge violations of privacy and ethics. So like in the celebrity death room, one of the reviewers, one of the reviews that I read said that there was a Polaroid that Baggins had gotten from a police officer who is at the scene of Chris Farley's death. And the Polaroid has Chris Farley's body in it. And it's just on display for people to see. Which is just so 
disturbing on so many levels. Like you're basically like taking a photo of someone who's dead and then charging people money to see it. Another reviewer said that like in the Kevorkian van, there was a mannequin set up in it to represent one of the victims. Like they had like an actual name tied to it and everything. So it's like, it feels very voyeuristic in a lot of the places where the items might actually be real. And some of the other reviews that I read of the museum talked about a lot of theatrics throughout the tour and how it kind of gave off kind of like a sideshow-esque vibe. Like the tour was heavily scripted. They weren't really encouraged to spend time, which in my mind reads as sketchy because if you're not encouraging people to spend time to read everything, you're wanting them not to realize something. And apparently there's like actors and stuff who like jump out and do jump scares. And like, they have a lot of little people on staff who are dressed up as clowns and things like that. So it's like, it's so, it's, it's just like layers and layers of, I don't know what's going on. Half of this stuff is probably fake. The stuff that isn't fake is really disgusting. And on top of that, you're making a spectacle out of all of it. So in conclusion, this place is sketchy as hell. And I feel dirty having just read about it. But yeah, that's the Haunted Museum. I don't really know how to fit this into like our rating scale. I suppose that we could rate in like glasses of wine, like what it would take to make us walk through this museum. Or like if we believe in these objects, I don't know. Let me rate this. I could rate it. Three bottles of wine and you two could be carrying me to the ER to get my stomach pumped because I would be close to dead. And I would be complaining about this as A, not a museum, B, if it is a museum, the worst kind of museum, and C, what kind of museum doesn't encourage people to spend time with the objects? We are in, like, we have pop-up museums and museums are changing, but still as they exist today, museums are object-based learning centers and I feel like no one is learning anything so no this is bullcrap yeah I I agree with a lot and I I kind of went into this like I've I've passed by that building a couple times and like I've been intrigued by it I didn't really know what it was and like at, at first glance, it's almost intriguing enough to want to go but the more that you dig into it and read about the things that are in there it's like I will be dead and rotting in the ground before I pay someone $50 to go be a voyeur to literally the worst things that have happened and been done to people. Like I, when I read that there was like a Polaroid of someone's body, I'm just like, that is so, that is such a violation. And to put it like a mannequin in the back of the van is just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And I feel like there are definitely ways that you can, there there have been good ways in other places where you can talk about stuff like this. And like, even as someone who's like interested in true crime and things like that, like this is, it's too far. It's too much. 
And I'm like, it, it's just... It's lacking in respect for the victim. So I honestly think if any spirit or specter is haunting this museum, it's the victims who are angry at, like, the victims of the museum who are upset how they're being used yeah. as money-making yeah, his whole his whole thing seems to be shock value. Cause looking at the types of idiotic things he does on his shows, he locks himself in haunted places that have like recorded instances of very violent things happening to pe- happening to people who go into these spaces. He locks himself and his team in there for, for the night. And you're like, that's insane. Oh, my God. Like, I wonder what happens. And that's why his show is so popular. That's why he's such a dumbass. He doesn't think about the safety of his team first. No. And and doing the things that he's done purely to get people to come in the door to pay the amount of money that they're paying for that. It's it's not worth their time. It's not worth the money. Mm-hmm. there's there's no educa- like educational element that's beneficial for people if you're going to put things yeah. if you're going to put things on display maybe talk to them about like the dangers of using a ouija board why that's a bad idea if you're going to be playing off of like if you're if you believe in the paranormal we're going to talk about how not to be an idiot because look at these things look at the like this not to be like oh, these were bad people who played with things that they shouldn't have played with. But like, if you're going to believe in it, there are legitimate things out there that could hurt you. So let's make sure that you know how not to be an idiot. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, it plays in the whole idea that like museums are supposed to be educational institutions that also collect. So, I mean, just because you collect these things and you put them on display and you allow access, that doesn't mean you're creating a museum. And it, I read some of the reviews um, that I read basically talked about how it felt like they were being rushed through to the point that it felt like they weren't concerned about the quality of your experience, but rather the quantity of people that they could push through so that they could make more money. So I don't feel like this is a venture at all that's supposed to fulfill the purposes museums fulfill. It's to make money. Okay. Fun stuff, guys. I needed, well, I would never believe this ever. No, like I... I know I wouldn't believe I would not go I kind I went into this experience being like I don't know maybe and now I'm just like now that I know what I know I will never look at that building the same way again because I'm just like that's absolutely disgusting all right Hickson do you want to bring us back to Fun, fun hauntings of actual museums who deserve the term museum and are not violating it and therefore my hopes and dreams. Sure. <laughs> so I have um, a, a list of supposed hauntings at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Yay! Um, yay! This particular museum um, the, the building and the grounds were originally part of the 1893 World's Fair, um, just for a bit of history in there. 
Um, and there are supposedly many ghosts that haunt the museum. Um, some that are attached to objects, some that are attached to the space slash grounds. First of five that I have reports of is the ghost of Clarence Darrow, who is the, um, was my pardon, um, the great defense attorney of Chicago in the early 20th century. Um, he is seen, uh, said to be seen walking the site of the Jackson Park Lagoon and is also seen on the terrace of the museum. Lovely. The second is the the entire Pioneer Zephyr train. It's a stainless steel train is in the museum. And it is reported that people hear hushed voices, laughter and music inside the train, which is pretty cool. Um, the third is supposedly a young girl who is seen in the blue stairwell, I guess it's the stairwell of the museum, um, who is rumored to have lost her life sliding down the railing, oh. which seems, yeah, it's a little it's a, it's morbid, but uh, ghosts, I I'm guess. Telling this, I'm telling this as a cautionary tale to Alex, because every time he sees a rail, he wants to slide <laughs> down it. No matter how many times he has pulled a muscle or torn his pants, and I'm going to be like, well, there's a girl who haunts a museum now, you better watch out. <laughs> because that would be our fate, is that we would try to slide down a railing, die, and we would also haunt said museum. Because oh, that's if I are. died in a museum, I'm haunting it. How many times has Alex torn his pants sliding down railings? Uh, at least twice. Uh, and the first time it happened, I was like, I told you something like this was going to happen again. And then like the next time he saw a rail and he went to slide down, I'm like, you tore your pants last time. Why? It doesn't stop him. I've always liked him, but I like him too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry, continue. No, you're okay. Um, There's also a mysterious bowler hat guy uh, that walks the quote, yesterday's main street exhibit which is a recreation of the Chicago street around the time of the 1893 world's fair. Don't know if it's just because there's something there that he's attached to. Don't know if it's because of there was a specific location at one point, but he wears a bowler hat and he has a mustache and that's what they describe him as. And then the last one is probably there's the most reports of having stuff happen in the, um, U-505, it's a, a U-boat um, from World War II, which is, again, it's the entire submarine in the museum. This this space is gigantic, and I really, really want to go now to see just the size of the building. It's gigantic. Um, it's amazing. Oh so road trip, gallery talk, Boozy Museums road trip. We're going to Chicago. Um, but the, the U-boat is supposedly this immersive high-tech exhibit that embraces the subs um hauntings and the stories behind it um specifically of the commander who killed himself on board he shot himself in front of his crew um the reason wasn't entirely noted in my research but he seemed to hang out like by himself a lot so don't know if it was just because he was like lonely it was i don't being on a sub i guess there's your brain can do weird shit to you um, but I have a couple, a couple quotes here. I got two quotes from some articles that I read. I know we're so excited. Quotes are great. Um, Love direct quotes. 
Yes. Um, so the first one says that female docents especially seem to be having a tough time with the commander's ghost. One young woman had just made a rather insulting joke about the commander, which seems really like insensitive if he killed himself, but I, I digress. Um, when a steel door suddenly slammed closed on her hand, injuring her. Yikes. Um, another woman felt a hand come out of nowhere and grasp her shoulder. Of course, there was no one else in the room. And another, docents and security guards have both experienced unseen forces on the sub. In 2005, one security guard told of hearing voices on the U-505 every night while she was on duty. And another reported sightings of a most unnatural sort. The apparition of legs, feet, or shoes in the door of the commander's cabin. And a strong feeling of being watched while inside the room. I don't, I don't buy any of it. So I'm not saying that I would need to be Zach Braff. Is that his name? I've tried to block it from my head. Zach Braff? The the guy from Scrubs? No. <laughs> what's the guy from the Haunted Museum? Zach Baggins? <laughs> oh. Well, Bilbo Baggins. I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, if the cast of Scrubs made a haunted I would probably go to that. Yeah, that would be quality. Not the Zach Baggins one. Like, I'm not saying that I would need to be pump my stomach drunk to believe this stuff. But it just seems odd that, like, in my head, if like hauntings are going to be real it will be people who are attached to the space or an object and the fact that it's like a man with a bowler hat and like a recreation of a street I'm like is it just a weird visitor because I used to work at a living history farm and we had a few of those that if you didn't know better and you kind of caught them at a weird time they might seem like a specter Right. We had a trench coat guy in my undergrad who worked for parking services. So you'd always see him walking through the parking lot. So like, if you didn't know better, you'd be like, oh, my God, a ghost. (laughs) I think the the U-boat I find most believable, but I also think inside of submarine. Do they go actually inside of it? Yeah. I feel like that's a weird space that people aren't used to that can even though it's not underwater, like play with their mind a little bit. Yeah. It, it would, it would feel claustrophobic. I feel like. Yeah. So and if you're already like playing into the idea that it's haunted, your, your mind is going to be like, Oh my God, like that noise was the ghost. Like, and especially if they, they have like lights and stuff that go off. So they definitely like play into, they play into it during like their, their stops there. But um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm not. No, I like I'm going to give this like a six and a half glass of wine. Like you're not taking me to the hospital, but you're definitely calling my husband and being like, Tyler, come pick up your bloody wife. Like she's completely sloshed. Like <laughs> you're going to need to give her like you're going to need to like fireman carry her to the car. I have to concur with my colleague, Sarah Fulton. Because I, I've i been to the Museum of Science and Technology. I 
Never knew that it was supposedly haunted. I've walked through that UO. Like, I do not believe this for a second. Hitzlin, do you believe it? I would have to be there and try to experience it for myself in order to believe it. Because, again, it seems like people are trying to play into what they're being told and trying to rationalize things from the supernatural element to begin with. I mean... I'm not about to tell somebody like, oh, no, like you didn't see a little girl. No, because like if if you saw her and then she disappeared, like that's weird. Um, but again, I would want to be there to experience it for myself. Well, playing up the supernatural is a great segue into our last museum, the Cleveland Art Museum. Take uh, us to Cleveland. Let's go to Cleveland. OK. All right. So, the Cleveland Museum of Art, right? This is a three-parter. So, there's three different, I would say, like, categories of ghost hauntings at this museum. And I want to address them semi-individually because I feel different about each of them. So, the first one we're going to talk about is the museum was doing a... uh, changing exhibit it was called painting the modern garden monet to matisse so the museum's director of architecture and design jeffrey stream and he was in the museum's like kind of common area it looks like there might be a restaurant down below where people are eating but there's a balcony that leads in to the area where they were having this monet to matisse story and they caught a photo of a man that appears to be the ghost of Claude Monet. So he's looking down over the balcony and he happens to be right over the, like a photo of himself. And he's got the long white beard and he's got the hat. Staff kind of talked about this. Communications Associate did interviews and they were like, what are the chances of a similarly dressed man appearing outside the exhibit? And it also just happened to be October at the time. And so this is why I wanted to address these individually, right? Because I think not that I'm blaming the Cleveland Art Museum, but this is clearly a hoax. And if you look, like, the man is clearly visible, but his face is very blurry. And they claim that it's not been retouched. But the fact that a staff are openly talking about it in an art museum, which means that it's a staff photo and it's October. I'm just like, this, this no. This was totally a hoax to drum up people coming to the exhibit. Yes. And the photo is so clear. Like normally when you see photos of ghosts, they're like, clearly otherworldly this definitely looks like something of this world trying to look otherworldly so i just straight up don't believe it no okay any thoughts on this it's a it's a very cool photo i like that he's directly above the photo of himself i want to pause and wait until morgan hopefully gets it because i want to hear her reaction is it this is full that's not real. No. 
just say that it was for publicity. Like, no shame. It's a cool gimmick. But come on. No amount of wine would make us believe this. We don't blame the staff there. We wish they had just been transparent about it. But yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Hopefully not. None of us ever want to work there. Okay, so number two is more of a people coming out of their portraits type situation. So there is a a figure depicted, and the man's name is Jean Gabriel. And he's known for wearing, like, gray, because, of course, ghosts are always wearing gray, apparently. And people and staff alike have kind of caught a similar looking man gazing at the portrait. So it's almost like the ghost is looking at his own portrait. This was spotted like numerous times. And then apparently when the portrait was taken off display, it just stopped completely. And then there's another similar experience of a young boy wearing very, um, like historically specific clothing that you would never see a child wearing today. He's seen running up and down the hallways of the gallery that a boy is also pictured to be like him. So I like this better than the first one because A, it's very much like Night of the Museum. The like portraits are coming to life and there's just a few that aren't behaving and only coming out at night. And B, it's very Harry Potter that, like, the portraits are connected. So what do we think about similar sightings of the portraits? Morgan still doesn't buy it after the Monet thing, which is why I started with that. She's like, nah. It's tainted. I believe nothing you say. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't believe it. I was going to say. Hickson, you're you're our best hope of someone believing in the gray man being so vain as to stare at his own depiction. I mean, he could, again, just be, like, super attached to it. But the fact he's, like, coming out of it, it it is odd. I don't know if it's paranormal. Let's move on, because the third and last one is my favorite and honestly the most believable of anything I've heard tonight. A man who is seen wearing a tweed jacket with elbow patches, seen carrying a folder. Um, college professor. Sorry, solved it. It's a college professor. <laughs> and, well, he's the former curator of the museum, and they say that he's seen walking the halls like he's doing rounds. I read several articles about the Cleveland Museum just because I was interested in this person. And the story is like, so they kept spotting the man in the tweed jacket and so many people have seen him that they went digging through the museum archives to figure out who he was. It was museum director didn't like his successor who took over while he was still alive named Sherman Lee to the point that Sherman Lee like wrote down in the oral history of the museum the issues that he had with the former director to the extent that apparently the former director continued to haunt him after he died and I find this the most believable because if I didn't take like the person who took over my job after me I would a bother them in life and B, come back to make sure that they were doing a decent job. 
So the staff member who refuses to leave to the extent that they're still doing rounds post-death is the most believable of all of the mysteries to me. Two glasses of wine. I'm two in right now and I believe it. I feel like solely because I'm such a petty individual at times, I want to have faith in this. So I will give it uh, a, a can and a half, maybe, or, or a can and a fourth, or maybe just like a can on an empty stomach. We want to believe that this is a possibility for us. But I also am just like, look around and like count how, like go to a metropolitan area and just count how many men in tweed jackets with elbow patches you see. Like it's not, it's like they're coming back. Like, (laughs) but I can understand being like, like even in death, like I'm going to make sure this place runs smoothly like I, I guess that's what gives it like this is the one I want to be true the others because I it's might, really funny yeah the others I'm like, I don't buy it this one I'm like I hope he still yeah <laughs> like it's it's kind of like yeah more power to you do you have thoughts on this one Hickson again I kind of hope that it's true like like both of you it would it's just really funny I like feel- you you idiots you, you you hired this one was there literally nobody else in the building that could have done this and you hired this one well shit if if you can't do it right then i'm gonna come back and make sure that shit gets done because clearly i can't trust anybody to do this like, without me i feel like i have the capacity to be this type of person when i die but I don't know, because I kind of think about like the where I work now, knowing that people who've worked there in the past have had good intentions, but not necessarily done a good job. Like I can definitely understand where they're coming from, but I'm also like, you know what? Like I'm gonna leave like a a word vomit document of like everything Morgan knows about the collection, and like that's it. I'm out. Like don't call me unless you absolutely need to. Um, but this is it goodbye let's wrap up before we get too far into (laughs) places we formerly were tonight we have talked about quotation mark museums full of haunted again quotation mark i can't have enough air quotes haunted things that we think are a violation of both the remaining family members of those victims as well as the term museum We've talked about things that we would probably believe after a few glasses of wine and one very petty director who we actually hope is haunting a museum and will pray for his spirit to continue on his quest for collections perfection. Next month, since it is October, we are going to do Ghost Part 2. And I've already looked at my museums and I might even talk about the one I currently work at. So get excited and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, ladies. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.